Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you with our very first look at week zero of college football. And before we go over specific games, Aaron, I have a theory about week zero that I want to run by you, see what you think. I think when it comes to week zero, I almost want to shy away from games involving highly ranked teams, big teams, big programs, because... First off, naturally, these are going to be sharper. We know that. But I also think because it's week zero and we have, say, less information to go off of, that the difference between big games and small games in terms of sharpness, I think that's a lot bigger than it is, say, the rest of the regular season. So week zero, I think the difference between sharp numbers is a lot bigger between the haves and the have-nots versus, say, the rest of the regular season where we have more data, more information, and we have naturally sharper numbers across the board. That's interesting. I really didn't factor that in or consider that when I was looking at mine, but the two overall themes that I took a look at was, for example, a big-name school who has somewhat of a cupcake-type game You've got to think that maybe the bigger name school is going or the, you know, the better team, I should say, is going to try to put it on the other team early and then evaluate their backups and see what they have once the game gets out of hand. The other thing I took a look at was returning starters. I think specifically in week zero, while other teams are trying to play catch up and gel and get some Um, consistency going I think the teams that have a lot of starters coming back might get off to a better start not to say that's how things are going to end when all things are said and done but maybe in week zero or there's those first few weeks the teams that have that the players know each other they've been playing together they've got a lot of returning starters that maybe they will have a little bit of, of an edge week zero Maybe so. Maybe so. So given that information, what is a game that stands out to you using your approaches? Yeah. So the first one I took a look at was Navy at Notre Dame. 20 and a half is the spread. I want to take the points with Navy. I think the midshipmen, they're returning 78% of offensive line. They've got a bunch of guys coming back. We already know that that offense is going to be a well-oiled machine. So I think that, you know, the Notre Dame, their run defense is still a work in progress from what I was reading. And they've got some things to figure out. They've got a new coordinator on offense. You've got uh, Sam Hartman there. He's really good. But I was expecting maybe uh, Navy to come out better than people are expecting. Obviously a bigger spread at 20 and a half. But I think I'll, I'll be on Notre Dame. I mean, sorry, I'll be on Navy plus the points. I think we're head to head here because I'm on Notre Dame here because I could see this completely imploding for Navy here. You look at the coaching changes uh, the midshipmen are having. Uh, you've got a new offensive coordinator in Grant Chestnut. You've got a new head coach in Brian Newberry. And I'm curious, too, because when you think of Navy, you think of the triple option, right? And even though mm-hmm. Notre Dame has a full offseason to prepare for that, sometimes a triple option is just a, a little bit too unusual, and sometimes it takes a little while to, to try and defend that. And, and certainly it's something where we've seen service academies play well against the big boys. So, yeah, that's a possibility. But the problem is 
Navy has sputtered the last few years offensively, and it does seem like, per reports, that Navy wants to adjust this triple option significantly to where it includes a short passing component. It's not going to be about just, all right, triple option and then play action, throw it deep. Instead, they want a more dynamic passing attack, something that is a little bit more traditional and something we see from a lot of programs. So that's all fine and dandy, and it's probably the right thing to do in the long term. The short term is, though, can they pull this off with a new coaching staff? I don't know. I I have my doubts, and that's a really tough place to sort of get your new offense going against Notre Dame, regardless of what do you whatever you think the defense looks like. I still feel like that yeah. that's a, a, net, a really tough challenge to unveil a brand new offense against, especially going across the pond. I look at this and believe that Navy will need some time to implement the offense that it wants to. And so I think 20 and a half is, is just fine. I think I would lay the points here. Nice. We're going head to head. I love it. Can't wait. I to know. See who right out of the gate that, too. Like we're not covers. wasting any time. Exactly. Two, yeah. right out of the gate. We both looked at that game. So what else? Another one I looked at uh, San Jose state at USC. So San mm-hmm. Jose state, one of the best teams in the mountain West division in 2022. Uh, they went seven and five overall five and three record in conference play. So this is one where I think USC is going to try to put up like 60 points. I think they're just going to hammer them early and then maybe to have a situation like are brought up at the top of the segment where they might want to see what they have in some of their backups and kind of be looking at what, you know, evaluating their talent in depth. So I think uh, USC is going to try to put as many points on them as they can early If you can, I would be maybe looking at something first half, um, but I'll definitely be backing USC on the spread in this one. That was one that I largely avoided because, like I mentioned at the top, when you're dealing with a highly ranked school and a big program, things like that, and I know I mentioned Notre Dame earlier, uh, but at the same time, I think there are extenuating circumstances with Navy that I, I think make the line a, a little bit less sharp. But when it comes to USC, because we're analyzing them a great deal, because they've got a Heisman contender in Caleb Williams and you know the defending Heisman champion uh, at the quarterback position, that's one where I feel like that number might be about right. And a San Jose State backdoor cover or something like that is not out of the question for me. So that's one that I largely shied away from. And then plus you look at, uh, you know, models and projections, things like that. 30 seems about right. So I'm probably uh, staying away from that one. But when it comes to the smaller schools and those who are not getting a lot of attention, one that really stood out to me that I think is really mispriced involves New Mexico State and UMass. I think the Aggies can win this game handily by much more than seven and a half. Uh, New Mexico State coached by Jerry Kill, who did some pretty good things at Minnesota. Wasn't a phenomenal head coach there, but he did do some good things to where New Mexico State is more than competently run. So there's that. Aggies uh, look to have a more formidable offense with many guys coming back. You mentioned the importance of looking at starters returning. Well, the Aggies offense uh, certainly has many of them, including quarterback Diego Pavia, in-state recruit, back at quarterback, This was a program that I feel like really needed the bowl practices from last year. 
to gel a good bit more because you think about what happened during COVID and all the uncertainty with scheduling games and things like that. This is a program that has had its challenges. And I think they've been largely ignored by the National College Football Pundits. But New Mexico State has had to endure a lot over these last few years. And now they're starting to come together with some consistency. And they've still been able to field some really good football teams. And so they've proven that they can be successful with some duct tape. Now they have legitimate players in terms of recruits, the transfer portal, things like that. I think this is going to be a really good football team that could very well challenge for the Conference USA title. Maybe they don't win it but definitely they're going to go bowling. Meanwhile, you have UMass. And it's kind of funny because years ago, I used to do this podcast where we looked at the most ridiculous of spreads in college football, where say like, you know, a team is a 49 point favorite or something like that. And we always had like worst teams in college football and we would call them podcast favorites because I, I guess we were sickos. I don't know. But UMass was always part of that conversation as potentially being the worst team in college football. And I don't know if they've done just a lot between then and now to go up the ranks and be a little bit more respectable. Meanwhile, New Mexico State really has. Spread's only seven and a half. So I think the Aggies can cover that one. I love that. That's a great argument. I'm definitely going to take a look at that one. Okay, so this is a game that we talked about a bit yesterday. Utah dealing with some mm -hmm. quarterback injuries, and it is not good. All ahead of the season opener, which really is not the kind of situation that you want to find yourself in. So if Cam Rising doesn't go, Rose has an injury. If this ends up being the third string quarterback, I was wondering if I should just take Florida plus the points plus seven. I'm seeing it bet MGM now. Hmm. I mean, I feel like this so, news and what they're dealing with is pretty, I don't want to say demoralizing, but it definitely, if I'm a player on that team, wouldn't have me uh, excited about the season, knowing that you may have to be relying on your third-string quarterback at some point. I think it would be a bit frustrating, and maybe they just come out slow. Uh, so I'm, I think I'm going to just bet the Gators plus the points. Isn't it odd that, what was it, seven and a half for a little bit, and it's only moved to, say, seven and maybe six and a half in some spots? You know, someone can double-check. Is that enough? Here. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like, shouldn't it be moving a lot more if you're going down to your third-string quarterback? Uh, well, they haven't said that they are. This is more one of those, like, anticipating or, you know, if Rose isn't, a hundred percent what is that gonna mean for mm -hmm. utah like why not just take the points it's not like we're talking about a 20 30 point spread like some of these other games seven is not a lot i mean this could be a tight game so i'm thinking just take the points i think you're right and maybe this is my sec bias talking but even though anthony richardson is no longer at florida <laughs> It is still a formidable SEC program. It's not one that, I mean, we're not talking about Vanderbilt here or, or someone like that. Florida, even if they don't go bowling, will probably have a, a pretty solid, respectable non-conference showing. 
What they do within conference, yeah. well, that's definitely up for debate. But non-conference, they're still quite strong. It's not like the recruiting rankings have been poor or anything like that. So I feel like that Florida could come out in a rather hungry way and maybe cover this number. I mean, plus 230 on the money line for Florida to pull off the upset in Utah uh, when it is game one for both teams uh, on a Thursday night. I don't know if I, I mean, the total is interesting too, 46 and a half. Like that's, that seems off to me, but uh, can Florida win this game outright? Maybe. I mean, the SEC is better Plus than the Pac-12. Plus 240? safe to say. Oh man. Remember yeah, I, the narrative about what is in the water in South Florida with these teams uh-huh. going on these kind of like magical runs? Like maybe the trend continues. Maybe so. I there I think is value in taking Florida to win this thing outright. And if because again, there is an avenue where the quarterback position at Utah has completely collapsed. And would if that's would the we case, be surprised if the line flips even or at, you know, at least maybe Florida's like a minus three favorite or something if it is the third string quarterback whose name I don't maybe even so. really know, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, you, you probably want to pounce on that now because, yeah, exactly. Like, the line could be moving a good bit more. So don't you want to grab your CLV now before it's too late when, yeah, I know the report is kind of out there now, but I don't think Florida's fielding an awful football team. It's just one that's not contending exactly. for the SEC East. I'm with you. I, I can't wait for that storyline and to follow it because we've got plenty of time before August 31st. Paul has a smaller yeah. school team that he wants to mention. So we're looking at UTEP minus one at Jacksonville State. Uh, UTEP's got 15 go returning minors. starters. Let's go minors. Uh, 15 returning starters uh, for them on the offensive line. So a lot of continuity there. Returning four-year starter quarterback Gavin Hardison. They got a running back named Deion Hankins, a.k.a. Tank Hankins. Uh, another thousand yard oh, receiver, Tyron Smith coming back. Uh, number two rated D line, uh, number one rated offensive line in Conference USA. Those according to Phil Steele. By the way, before we look at Jacksonville State, uh, keep an eye on them September 9th uh, against Northwestern. They could be live there as well. UTEP, that is. Uh, as for their opponent, Jacksonville State, all right, you got Rich Rod. They're making the jump from FCS to FBS. They do have a bunch of starters back, but they lost three of their top tacklers. And undersized on the D-line, and my thinking is that going up against Tankins, uh, Deion Hankins, that big running back there, I think that could cause some problems for Jacksonville State. So I am on the minors, minus one on the road at Jacksonville State in week zero. Wow, minus one. I love it. Is that the tightest spread? I like that a lot. Uh, There's a couple minus ones out there. There is a UTSA minus one at Houston. On September 2nd is another one I'll be looking at. Frank Harris. Well, I'll be on UTSA, though. Frank Harris has been there for 50 years. I'm kidding. You don't love Houston. Oh, that's right. You're right. Great Houston. Eh, Not my favorite. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, today's MLB card right here on the BetQL Network.